Hey, everybody, this is Yvette and Erica, and this is the Melanin Pearls podcast. Welcome to our new episode, Homeschooling, Remote Work, Balancing Both. How are we going to do it, Erica? I don't know how we're going to do it, but you know, as we all know, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected us in a myriad of ways. Everybody. Everyone, right? So it's affected us physically, emotionally, economically, and it's impacted us in a big way as it pertains to educating our children. Like, while we don't have children of our own, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I'm acutely aware of the challenges that my friends and colleagues are encountering as it pertains to education for their children. And I know you and I have had conversations about this, and we thought that <clears throat> this would be an important topic for us to raise as one of our podcast conversations. Yep, yep, yep. And you know me and data, I'm all about the numbers. You know, 80% of mothers have been reporting spending more time homeschooling than their spouses. We all know that when it comes to the equality of doing work at home, it normally falls to the woman. Homework, schoolwork, you know, fixing, fixing scrapes, doing that, all that extra stuff, and then still expected to do her job. Exactly, exactly. So I, I, I'm excited that we're going to be talking about this topic because um, we know that there are folks out there that that are that are struggling and this is really hard and we wanted to have a forum to have that conversation as we've always said we want to bring our tribe to share and provide valuable information and it is my honor and pleasure and privilege to introduce to you Renee Belton and Renee is the principal of the James McCune Smith Community School 200 that's located in Harlem she's been there for 17 years she is a product of Harlem. She was born and raised in Harlem and is a product of the New York City public school system. She graduated from Howard University in Washington, D.C., where she received her Bachelor of Science with a major in philosophy. And after graduating from Howard, she applied and was accepted to the Toro Law School in Long Island. And after her first year in law school, she returned to Harlem and spent the summer planning educational activities for children at a family shelter, Rosie and Harry's Place. And it was there that she found her calling to become an educator. She decided not to return to law school. And soon after, she received her master's in elementary education from City College in New York City. And she was a teacher for the New York City Department of Education for nine years before she decided to apply for the then newly created New York City Leadership Academy. And she is a member of the first graduating class of the New York City Leadership Academy, which is the most intensive and costly principal training program in the country. Renee, welcome. Welcome, welcome, Renee. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Doing good, thank is, you. Is there anything else you wanna add, Renee, about yourself? I tried to, you know, give the give the cliff notes, so to speak, but is there anything else you'd like to uh, to share with our audience? Well, no, I think that was it in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. okay. I have many layers. I have many layers. Right. Um, my prior profession, I was an entertainer. So um, I would like to add that because I still um, hold um, performing dear to my heart, even though I haven't performed in quite a while. But yeah, I need to okay. add that. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That, that that is an important part of your life. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna jump. We're gonna jump right in and just have the discussion. So so there are four topics we wanted to talk to you about, and and I'll start with the first one, which 
has to do with just overall safety. Um, the challenges that parents have between choosing having their children return to school or remote learning. Can you talk to us a little bit about the challenges that parents are having, the choices that they have to make just based on, on what you've, you've seen as an educator? Yes, um, it's a huge challenge. Um, and I have so much compassion for my parents because it's a really, really tough decision to decide whether or not you want your children to go to school to be educated and get maybe get sick or die or um, be home. And a, a, and really, the, they don't have the tools. A lot of the parents, you know, in um, certain circumstances, they don't have the tools and the um, and the know know it all to educate their children at home. You know, the different curriculums, um, if they have multiple children on different grades, it's multiple curriculums that they have to know and learn. And it's very difficult, it's a difficult decision for them to make. And when um, any of my parents would ask me, Ms. Belton, what would you do? Um, I always, I'm always honest with them. And I said, I would keep my child home. But everyone's not in a position to keep their child home because they have to eat. They have yep. to pay rent. They have bills. Yep. So it's a really, really tough decision for a parent to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm all about data, Renee, and I like talking about some of the some of the stats that a lot of people probably don't see or hear because, mm-hmm. you know, African-Americans, the black community is not prevalent on major news and networks unless we're doing something that's, you know, not popular. So mm-hmm. let's talk about some stats, right? So at the end of the day, 70% of black women are the primary or only breadwinner in their family. That's two times higher than white women. So talking to the, the, the help, the support, if they are a single parent, what are they going to do if they have multiple children? If right. they are the only breadwinner, they can't stay home, right? You know, what resources are out there for, you know, women who are in that situation? Not everybody is lucky to have wonderful husbands like Eric and I have, you know, <laughs> you know, and not a lot of people are in that situation for a number of reasons. And so what's out there for those those mothers in those situations or fathers that are a single parent? You know, and there's something that we all know about, but we don't talk about. We live in a culture, a society, where there's a belief between an ideal worker and a good mother. Mm-hmm. This cultural belief that the ideal worker is the employee who is completely devoted to their job, works long hours, and relies on someone else to take care of their family responsibilities. This mm-hmm. ideal worker will stay late, rarely takes time off, checks emails at all hours, and gets rewarded for it. Versus the ideal good mother, good mothers are the polar opposite completely devoted to her family. She prioritized her children over paid work. And because she's emotionally absorbed with her children, she is seen culturally as distracted and unreliable. And at work, she gets dinged for it. So clearly right there, there is a illogically incompatible nature between our culture's definition of an ideal worker and a good mother. You can't be either or the other, and there's no place for both. Right. You can't be both. It's either one or the other. And if we're living in this type of society where parents, mothers particularly, are being dinged because they are perceived of being, quote unquote, a good mother and not a, quote unquote, ideal worker. A lot of mothers are out there trying to, you know, fake it until she makes it. You know, they're not trying to, you know, complain about 
issues at work or having too much workload. They're just really trying to keep it under the radar. And that's going to touch on something that we're going to get to later in our conversation. But how does she balance that? The pressures of bring, being the breadwinner, trying to maintain, you know, the income coming in with the job that she has and supporting her family at home. Right. Well, you said a mouthful. <laughs> well, I need I, I can speak for my parents um, in, in the community of Harlem where I where, where I work. And um, my parents juggle both. Um, I have a lot of single parents, um, head, you know, female head of households. They have maybe two jobs. Wow. And they still have, you know, make sure the children are in school. They're clean. They have excellent attendance. They, you know, they're in contact with the teachers, X, Y, and Z. They may have four or five kids. Um, the kids, um, the older kids pick up the kids from school, bring them to school. Um, we've, you know, we have a lot of problems with kids being picked up late because their junior high school and high school siblings get out later. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's imperative that we have after school programs really is really just for babysitting, you know, cause after the learning is done and at four or five o'clock at night, six o'clock at night, who's learning really at six o'clock at night. So it's really just a a safe place for the children to be until their siblings can come pick them up because mommy's working two jobs. And then we have some households where we have both parents in the household, but the father's working two and three jobs and the mother's working one job. So it's not like it's an absentee father. It's just that he's working hard to, um, you know, provide for his family. So it would appear that the children are raising themselves because the parents are working so hard. And you have an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old coming to school and going home by themselves because their parents are working. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of latchkey parents. I mean, latchkey kids, yeah. you know. And, um, the, you know, from the outside looking in, it will be perceived as, perceived as if these parents don't care about their kids and they're just letting them run amok and things like that. But that's not the case. All that's not all the case. No, I could I say um, at least eighty to eight, eighty to ninety. Maybe I, I like numbers too. Ninety, ninety-two percent of my parents are working more than one job. And if it's a single parent household, we have um, we range from teachers, you know, parents that are teachers, nurses, work for MTA, work for, um, um, you know, uh, transit, um, home care, you know, workers, home aid providers. They own their own hair salons. I mean, it's a gamut of um, professions of parents that work in my building. And a lot of these um, professions, they don't have regular nine to five hours. You may yep. 12 to 8 one day and 8 to 4 another day. And, you know, the, the hours are just horrible. And if, you own, if you're an entrepreneur, we have some parents that own their own stores and bodegas and, and corner stores in the area. They're in the store all day. So the right. kids go from school to the store and hangs out in the store all day. But that doesn't mean the parent doesn't um, feel that the child should be home eating and getting the homework and going to bed. But there's nobody home to watch them. So they have to hang out in the store all day. And you make an excellent point, Renee. I'm sorry to cut you off. You make an excellent point because, you know, uh, a lot of parents have jobs that they have to go to work Mm because if they don't go to work, they're going to get fired. That's right. And and that in itself is an injustice. Right. Because we are in a time this is unprecedented. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
and it's it's almost like a catch 22, right? I need to stay home, but I can't stay home because if I stay home, I'm not going to have my job. But if I don't have my job, I can't take care of my family. Mm-hmm. So it's just an awful catch 22 that puts parents in a bind related mm-hmm. to how their children can be educated. And I'll also say, I remember you and I had a conversation as well where you mentioned that in some cases, you know, grandparents are, especially when you have the hybrid model and you have a lot of remote learning, and we're going to touch upon that a little bit later as well, but but we have situations where the grandparents Mm -hmm. are not necessarily technically savvy and they're trying to help a child during Mm -hmm. during virtual learning, right? So those are challenges Mm -hmm. as well. And they're the, guardians. they're the guardians of these children. So they're responsible. A lot of these grandparents are their guardians. They don't go home to mommy on a weekend or in the evening. Right. And, you know, when we're talking about the workforce, uh, so let's, let me get you some numbers here. So black women represent the highest labor force participation than of any other female group. Literally 63% of the black women at the start of 2020 represented the labor force compared to 58% of white women. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, you know, in in May, this past May, everyone was saying, you know, everyone's getting jobs or going back, slowly coming back, you know, after COVID, after being in lockdown. But in May 2020, black female unemployment went up to 16.5% when it was going down for white women and Latinas. And mm-hmm. if you think about what we talked about earlier, where 70% of black women are the primary or only breadwinner mm-hmm. in their family, what type of impact that does have? And, mm-hmm. you know, historically, we've a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about, you know, the finances of the average American family. And it's been noted that 55% of black families in the United States have less than $200 in savings, mm-hmm. less than $200 in savings. And 48% of black women have reported that they cannot cover the fundamental expenses. That's food, rent, lights, yeah. water. Mm-hmm. And and this is this pandemic is decimating communities mm-hmm. as a whole completely. We still have since um spring, we still have our school still gives out meals, um, breakfast, lunch, mm-hmm. and then a um a, like a hot um, like pizza or, or hamburgers or whatever, like around four, three or four o'clock, because um, that's the only meals that some of the kids get are the mm-hmm. ones at school. Yep. So we're still feeding our community breakfast and lunch. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and and I, and I, I believe that term is, I, I was listening to that last night. I know I've heard about this before, but food insecurity. Yep. I don't know when I'm going to get my next meal, and Ooh. I don't know how I'm going to get my next meal. And school was a place where children used to mm-hmm. get right, that only meal, meal that right. only meal. I right. mean, if you think about the communities that are socioeconomically depressed, they're, they're food, good food star. There's no fresh food. You know, you're not going to find, you know, a whole foods in mm-hmm. a depressed area, right? What's there is McDonald's, Burger King, Popeye's, you know, Kentucky fried chicken, liquor stores, um, fried chicken, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> you know and, and, and you think about it, if you have uh, children or families that don't have access to healthy food, you know, I'll go with this. They don't have access to healthy food. They're not eating well. They're not taking care of themselves. They're depressed. They're anxious. They're insecure about what's going to happen next. COVID mm-hmm. is hitting our community the hardest. Mm-hmm. And people really don't want to talk about that. No. So you're looking in areas where you have people that are doing the best that they can, you know, actually living 
almost not even making it check to check. Their kids are only getting the services from school. If you shut down school, where's that kid, where's that kid going to eat? Whenever mm -hmm. they start to, you know, saying, oh, everyone needs to go back home. How does that impact the people that yeah. can't yeah. support their family without school? Right. We're, we're, and we're talking about families that have a home to go to. We're not even talking about the, huge the homeless population. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And the shelter families, because my my school services six different shelters in the area. Wow. We have um, I just said put it this way: we have a large amount of sheltered children or children who live in a um, double um, occupancies. You know, they're doubling up in the apartment because there's no place else to go. So. Some of them are set up like apartments, but some of them are not. So when you're talking about remote learning, what does that look like for a child in a shelter and they're sharing a room or um, a space with three or four other families? Yeah, that the the impact of saying, you know, stay home. It's sweeping in and in, in this this section of the this section of the population, especially in our community, communities of color, if you think about it, if they don't have laptops, iPads, and say some some cities and uh, have been giving the, the schools those you know technology to do remote learning. Great, I got an iPad, but I don't have Wi-Fi at home. Where am I gonna get Wi-Fi? Okay, I used to, I used to go to the library. Library's closed. Can't do you know you, free? I can use a computer and internet. I can do that. Where is that child gonna go to do quote unquote remote learning? No Wi-Fi. Well, well no. where? How? Well, the city thought they were doing a great job with putting the hotspots within the devices themselves to to solve the no Wi-Fi problem because that was a huge issue, right? But um. Here's another, how do you say, barrier. Okay, you put the hotspot on the um, device, but then the child is home with an adult who doesn't even know how to Google uh, Facebook or anything. They don't know how to use the device. So how are they to help? Because remember, I have pre-K, 3K, 4K, and to, um, 10 year olds. So we have a lot of our students at home with their grandparents. Mm -hmm. yeah, oh my can't even help them access the, the work because they're not familiar with the devices and that they, they, the technology skills are not there. So you can have all the Wi-Fi you, in the world. But, but if you don't got the help, it's, it's useless. Help. It's absolutely useless. They don't even know how to do a, a group me meeting or a Microsoft Teams meeting or go on to iLearn and find the curriculum. They, can't, they don't even know how to turn the computer on. Wow. So you, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even think, you know, no. that was, I didn't even think about that next step. And it just, and it just goes to show once you start peeling back the layers of this onion, mm -hmm. the, the, the issue is deep rooted and this pandemic just exasperated what was already a bad problem. It mm -hmm. just made it worse, like oh. 10 times worse. Oh, absolutely. This it's pandemic has raised a lot of things that are there. Huge gap. Of the haves, I say the haves and the have-nots, meaning the haves of people who have the resources and have the, the, the savvy and the expertise to, for their children to learn technologically in this, in this pandemic. And then the have-nots, the ones who don't have the resources, the ones who don't have the expertise. And that's going to cause the gap within education. Um, and it's going to cause such a huge gap that we're not going to be able to catch up. 
What's going to happen to these children? Yep, education. Uh, you know, they are not, they're going to be so far behind. They are. When quote unquote normal, when normalcy comes back, right? And everyone's going back to school. Their classmates and their counterparts have caught, have been staying lockstep with the remote learning, with the support at home. And if you're not that, you know, fortunate child mm-hmm. to have that support, have, you know, intelligent, um, uh, uh, up-to-date, you know, grandparents that are savvy with all the technical mm-hmm. stuff that's out there, you know, Google, Zoom, you know, Teams, you know, Chime, all these other things. If you don't have that, if they can't work the technology, just think about, you know, the, the topics, the curriculum, you know, can mm-hmm. they can they help a child, you know, through the school work? Right. Can I, can I bring to, 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 to um, light another, I say, another layer to that onion? Sure, please do. What about the parents that do exist that are functional illiterates and they send their children to school for so they can have a better education and they're not illiterate themselves. So therefore, these parents cannot help their children with their homework. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. It's just it's 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 insidious. I mean, it is it is so insidious that it creates such this pandemic has literally blown open a problem that we've all known about and just scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. Now it's like a mushroom cloud bomb. And the remnants of this is going to be sweeping, especially for the children, especially when it comes to education. They're going to be so far behind. So you have kids that are that are supposed to be in third grade going to fourth grade that'll never mm-hmm. get the fourth grade. We'll have to repeat third grade, you know, or worse. Mm-hmm you know, be held back twice um, before they can move forward. And it just and it just further exasperates the problem with education and between, you know, the haves, the haves not, white, black, people of color. Oh. Because when it's time to, for them to um, um, compete, to go to college, if you have some high school students who haven't taken a regents in two years, okay, if that's going to be one of the college's um, requirements to have a regents diploma, they're not going to have one. Yeah. Wow. What about the children who now, because um, now in New York City, you don't have to have a ranking now because there's no grades. There's letters either pass or you need improvement or not enough work. So therefore, they're taking they're giving the children and the parents the um the, the choice to have no ranking. So instead of them getting a grade, they can get pass or 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 didn't pass. So wow. therefore. And you have your valedictorians, your salutatorians. That's not going to exist in the next graduating class because they're not going to do any ranking because there's no way to rank the children. Wow, oh, I didn't even think about that either. Oh my gosh. So, so Renee, you mentioned you know that there are a lot of challenges you know that we that we talked about, and I'm just curious as to how. How are those challenges being handled in your school? So we mentioned a lot. So let me touch let me touch upon one. So where we have that challenge where, you know, the child, you know, they have the computer or the tablet, they have the hotspot, so they have, you know, the built-in hotspot so they can access the internet. But now it's just a question of the the person at home with them not necessarily being as literate computer literate to help them you know what what kind of support is there for that parent is there like a tutorial is there like what what is offered to to at least help the parent get some working knowledge so they can help their child well we do have tutorials we have the teachers they have parent meetings and they have one-on-one meetings with the parents to help navigate to show them how to navigate um the systems we also we provide actual hard covered books um, for ELA and math 
that the children could take home and the children are giving the assignments just as if they were in class without the technology and they're able to do the work at home. And if the parent doesn't know how to upload or the guardian doesn't know how to upload the work into the um, computer, we allow pictures with their cell phone because everybody has a cell phone. Yep. We allow them to take a picture of it and send it as a text and it shows proof that they did the work and the teacher could correct it that way. Well, let's take the flip side. What if you what if you have that super super duper uber you know and tell you know very bright child, super bright, and stuff is boring. What how do you how does a teacher compensate? How does a family compensate? Are there programs? I mean, everything's online now and virtual. But what about keeping that that child that bright child who is above you know the the middle pack? You know, well, is, is above the middle. What do we do about them? Well, my superintendent, she, um, you know, challenged us to create um, not just small grouping for children who need extra help, but also group children who are those, um, how do you say, those stars to give them challenging work. We have um, so many um, supplemental programs that we have to support the curriculum so they can they're self-taught they're self-motivated they can go on to the system they can read the books they can quiz themselves they can go on um there's a certain math program that we have and they can challenge themselves and they keep getting a certain amount of points so there's other programs that we have to supplement so after they finish their schoolwork the a teacher can actually assign them a certain amount of activities to do during the week that's mandatory for them to do. And she also has office hours with that small group of kids to help make sure that they're she's um, pushing them and giving them the extra support that they need so they won't get bored or be bored. OK, at least there's I mean, there, there's an option. Right. Yeah. Right. And I know that, you know, some of the parents that that I know what they've done as well is they'll go and purchase workbooks mm-hmm. and just have the child. on. You know, they're done with their schoolwork. Yeah have a workbook and then they'll do something extra. So it's a little like unofficial extra credit, right? Right. right. So that they can just make sure that their child is kept um, just, um, uh, uh, I don't want to say motivated, but just kept mm-hmm. challenged, right? Just continue to challenge them because to your point, Yvette, you could have that child that is ahead of the game, but because of, you know, even what Renee just mentioned, you know, we're, we're, we, you know, they're not getting, letter grades or things of that nature it's it's a little bit different so that child is almost could potentially kind of fall in the middle and right. stay in the middle right, even right. though that child is advanced and then that's where boredom sets in and we all know you know i don't say, i don't mind devil hands or something like devil's that. playground no, something whatever, like right, that. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so 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 you know just to keep them engaged and and the challenge also is you know things like the boys and girls club things like like of that nature those after school type of activities I they're mean, they're wrong, but they're not around, right? Because of no, COVID, they're no. closed. No, some programs are virtual, but I, didn't, I haven't heard of a virtual boys and club, girls club. I don't know if they were virtual, but they do have a lot of programs that are virtual. Like a lot of the um, dance schools now, they have virtual classes. They, a lot of music schools, they have virtual classes. And um, if you have a little bit of money, you can have... Any type of virtual class that you want, learn Mandarin, French, German, you can, you know, they have these Sylvan and all these other type of educational programs that are in addition to the New York City Department of Education. Some parents who um, can afford, they actually have um, discharged their 
kids from New York City Public School and put them in to um, private schools that have online private schools and things like that. So it still goes to the haves and the have-nots and those huge gaps. Um, but there are a lot of free things online, and that's the key, uh, is getting those um, all of those free um, programs and, 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 and um, support um, programs and get those out to your parents so the parents can have those at their fingertips so they don't feel that you always have to be able to pay for something for your kid. Um, right, right. That's educating these elementary and junior high school kids. The the high school kids are a little bit more savvy, you right, know. What right. I mean? But it's those the, the 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 babies. Those parents need to know that there are resources out there that are free. So right. even if they can't read the screen or can't read the instructions, there's programs that you could click and point. And once your child is in that program, the the program itself. They have um, synchronous learning, meeting face-to-face, live instruction, live programs, and that child can get the, all of that instruction from that person on the screen, homework help, everything, and this free services that's, that's available to them. So one of the things that my parent coordinator, he's always looking for different ways to um, get free um, programs and get the word out to the parents so they won't feel like they're left if it's not, if they don't do it. Because we had a lot of parents saying, forget it, fail them, I'm not doing it, and they hang up the phone. Wow. <laughs> frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know? that can be. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a perfect segue into, you know, the last question that we wanted to cover and or theme that we wanted to cover, and that's about self-care, right? Mm-hmm. There are so many people that do not understand the value and the importance of self-care. Mm-hmm. You can't pour from an empty cup. Right. And it's okay for parents to put themselves at the top of their to do list, you know, Mm -hmm. giving yourself that space, whatever makes you happy, gives you peace, you know, be creative, but giving yourself that time and space to be able to, you know, re-energize, you Mm -hmm. know, or have a, a system or people or someone, a friend where you can refill your cup because they're a well there's there there they need to have a place where they can go and get that well to fill their cup so that they can be the parent that they you know everybody wants to be you know and we all know women have the superhero complex you know um their cape it's it's a dress it's not yeah feels like if they have to go to talk to somebody that there's something wrong with them that they're weak and they don't want people to know that they're struggling and having problems it's like so taboo and we got to get away from that yep yeah we definitely do so do you talk about that um with your parents or is there Um, some type of support that we it's for the parents it's for the children you know what about the parents yeah well this the new bus term um, it's called wellness. <laughs> That's a new buzz term. But um, basically what we do every day, every morning, we have um, 10 to 20 minutes of wellness. We don't start instruction till like 30 minutes after the kids get in and we talk about where they are, what they're thinking about, you know, any anxieties they're having, how do they feel. Um, we have um, 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 the sort of circles with them and things like that. And the parents themselves, we have um, a plethora of resources that they can go online with us or just the community schools. Um, they 
um, have released like um, monthly activities that they can do online, like breathing exercises, monthly circles, everyone getting around talking about, you know, their anxieties and how they're feeling and, you know, just having a safe space for them. So that's like number one on our agenda before we even get into instruction. My guidance counselor also, she reaches out to the families, not just the kids, but the parents also. And she has a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with the parents, and they know they could call her for anything to talk to her about. Sometimes they just talk to her. Um, our our conversation, just talking about how their day went and how they're struggling and they're working, you know, just to have an ear to talk to. My parents call me, <laughs> and um, I might I have an open I mean, literally, I have an open door policy with my parents. Now it's an open phone policy, and they call me, um, and we just talk. And um, they just sometimes they just want you to listen, not necessarily solve their problems. They just want they just want to have somebody to talk to. And um, so we try to create that environment for our families, and you know, because we had that environment when we were face to face, and we had to um, transform our ourselves to have that same environment even though it's on the phone but we still know that they can call us my parent coordinator gets a lot of phone calls because he's built so relationships with um so many of our parents so they like to call him a lot and um, and so so that that how do you say that mental health piece is huge absolutely and this is an unprecedented time and i think you know, parents in general, you, 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 you have to give yourself a little slack, right? Because this is just so difficult. And there's so many situations that are happening that, you know, normally you go to another parent and you kind of uh, get their feedback on how they've handled it. But this is one situation where we're all handling it at the same time. And we're all we're, we're, right. We're all doing it at the same time. And I think that when it comes to the, the self-care piece, you know, they always say when you get on a plane, you have to put the oxygen mask on your face first before you could put it on someone else. And that is truly that is truly how it is, because you do have to care for yourself a little before you can continue to care for those that that you are responsible for. And even taking, you know, five minutes before everybody gets up and having a mantra, if you're not, you know, meditation isn't your thing, but maybe having a mantra or having some peaceful time five minutes before the day starts just to get your head together mm -hmm. that can go a long way too because once you get started with the day and everything goes into overdrive you you lose yourself because yeah. you're basically focusing on everybody else that's right. I agree with that I I agree 100% with that because I had to do that myself because um Back in August, when we was close to start school starting, I started having anxiety attacks. And I'm like, why am I waking up like this? Why am I panicking like this? And I didn't realize, oh, because school is getting ready to open back up. And you're worried about how are you going to handle your families? How are you going to be there for them? while keeping social distancing, by having on a mask, right? they can't, they're not allowed in the school building. I mean, how am I going to navigate this warm atmosphere in COVID? So right. I was, I had to take the time and get myself together and start doing those quiet moments. Like Erica, like you said, those quiet moments, having my tea in the morning, just breathing, 
You can do this, you know, playing my little positive music on the way to work and everything to get myself, you know, or, you know, filled up. So when I see that parent and she, you know, she's crying or another uh, father's coming, he's frustrated because he has to bring the kid to school because the mother, you know, overslept and he's don't feel like being bothered. And what you talk about, my kid got to take a temperature, get that away from his head. I don't want nothing pointing to his head. I'm like, it's a thermometer, sir. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, you know, how do I get myself ready for that? And no, right. it's not the point of that I'm pointing this thermometer at his head. The point of the matter is he's nervous about his child getting sick and his child has to go to school because right. him and his wife has to work. You have to look underneath the anger and say, yep. that's not what he's upset with. He's nervous that his baby has to come into this building and it's COVID and it's nothing he could do about it because he has to work. I always say this to people, uh, especially on my team. I say people can love you and people will hate you. But in the end, it has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that people take things so personally that we forget that everyone is going through their own thing, their own little storm, you know, their own little typhoon. Everyone is going through something. And if you approach people with that level of compassion and mm-hmm. you know, and not, you know, be so egotistical and think it's like about you because mm-hmm. it's really not. You know, and give people that time and that moment and that space because you could be that one person, that one person that shows them just a little bit of compassion mm-hmm. that can set them, that can set their day, you know, that can help them reset, you know, regroup and, you know, go to the next person and not and not be, you know, a firestorm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you know, yelling at you, Renee, you then leave work, you know, leave you, drop the kid off, scream at you and then go to work, <laughs> you know, and then chop off people's heads, you know, because, you know, he's just so amped up. And right. I think I think that's the message that um, I would just like to leave everybody with. It's like everybody is going through something, mm-hmm. you know, be compassionate to yourself. Most importantly, but show compassion for other people. Right. I'm not saying let people walk all over you. I'm no, saying recognize that everyone is going through their mm-hmm. own type of storm. Mm-hmm. That's right. I agree. And Renee, before we close out, um, do you have any closing remarks? Anything you'd like to share with our audience before we close out? I'd just like the audience to, um, to really understand that this COVID pandemic is real. And real to the fact that education, the education of our children in this nation is in jeopardy. And if you need help with educating your child at home, please reach out. I mean, there's so many different um, organizations and so many different programs that you can Google online that's free to help you. It's no reason why you need to suffer alone. And there's so many resources out there for you. And don't be afraid to pick up a book. You have a book, a magazine, a newspaper in the house. If you don't have any readers, you don't have any books from the school that they're not supplying you with anything, there's always something to read around the house. And any little bit that you do with your child, if you're counting beans, if you're counting rice, if you're counting, if you don't have rice to count, you don't have beans, you can, it's always Ways, count the things in the house. Label all the furniture in the house. 
Um, have them read the words. It's always something. It's the little things to keep the little ones, um, you know, minds working. And it's the little things that count. It doesn't have to be something huge and big. And don't be so hard on yourselves. Everyone is not a teacher. Okay. Mm -hmm. but, wow. every, but everyone can teach. Mm -hmm. That th those are some words there, I will say. And Renee, I just want to say, and I don't think I've said this to you, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you as an educator. Thank you to all the educators out there, all the administrators and educators. This is hard. Mm -hmm. And there's always a shift. There's always something new um, with the recent stats. We're, we're looking at whether schools are going to remain open or not. Um, and, and you have to shift accordingly. So I just want to say on behalf of the Melon and Pearls podcast, just thank you. Thank all the educators and administrators out there. Um, we know your job is hard. It's hard for everyone. Mm -hmm. But we are resilient. And, yes, we and are. And we'll get through. We'll get through this. This too shall pass. Indeed. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed myself. God bless you both. God bless you too. And thank you for joining the Melon and Pearls podcast, everyone, until we speak again. And that's our show. Any samples of media remain the property of their owners. Opinions expressed reflect the individual's point of view, not the Melon and Pearls podcast. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and Instagram, and don't forget to rate us on iTunes and Spotify. If there's a topic you would like for us to cover, let us know by visiting www.melanandpearls.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, we encourage you to visualize your best self. <laughs>